0: Welcome everyone, thanks so much for joining us online. We're so excited to be digitally connected with you even though we can't be in person right now. We're in part four of our four-part series, the final moment where we are celebrating turning 100 years old here at Centennial Road Church and how applicable 100 years old for something that we already call Centennial Road. It is such a cool moment in history to be a part of and we're glad we get to share it with you from wherever you're tuning in from, whether you are joining us live in the moment Or watching us later when your schedule allows for it Just a really quick shout out for kids Not only are you awesome, but we've got content just for you If you go to our main webpage, centennialroad.com On the homepage, there's a link, kids content Make sure you click on it, grab a favorite snack and participate And join in with all the fun Let's talk a little bit about being lost and alone It's interesting to me that this is a theme Hollywood and movies and television is really kind of enamored by. In fact, think back to a few years ago, you maybe have heard about this epic television show called Gilligan's Island. Well, it was about a group of people that were marooned on an island. They were lost in the middle of nowhere, seemingly, and they didn't know how to get back Home. Well, only about 15 years ago or so, there was another dramatic series called Lost Itself. It was on TV, and it was all about a group of people marooned on an island not knowing how they got there what it was all about all these challenges that they had to work through and just trying to figure out what life meant being lost and alone in fact there's even a tv series right now on discovery called alone much of it is filmed in canada believe it or not it's filmed an individual will go backcountry camping and just share their experience what it's like what it's not like with whoever is watching it. It's crazy that we've been fascinated with this whole idea of what does it mean to be lost and alone. Do you have a memory where you feel that you were lost or you were alone. I'm going to share, you a little, share a little bit of a story with you about a moment in time where I happened to be with a group of my co-workers in Florida. We were at this leadership conference, and it was such an awesome time to be a part of. Great weather, great fun, great friendship. But we had this moment in time where we were lost. We, we ended up, we had a free evening. The seminar wasn't happening, so we went out for dinner and dessert to Universal Studios. We didn't go on any rides, because Universal Studios, you can park in the parkade, you can walk on their boulevard and still make use of that whole part of the park itself before having to pay the real dollars to get into the rides and all the amusement type stuff. Interestingly enough, after our dessert, after a walk, after dinner, all that good stuff, we were on our way back to the parking lot, and none of us could figure out where we had parked the car. None of us remembered. None of us knew where it was. And so from that moment, all four of us, age 35 and older, all males We're trying to figure out where our vehicle was. And yes, we did stop to ask for directions, but this parkade, I don't know if you've ever been there, it was massive. It felt like it had 12 levels and a 1,000 parking spots at each level. I'm over-exaggerating, but it was insane how large it was. And of course, we were in a rental vehicle. So we were in a rental vehicle that looked the same. The license plate looked the same. We didn't know where our vehicle was. One hour later, we finally found our vehicle and we were, end up, we were able to get back to the place that we were staying and everything was fine from that moment. I wasn't the driver, I'm just confessing that right now. I was a passenger in the vehicle, but from that moment on till the time we were back in Canada, I made sure I knew where we were parked because I never wanted to feel lost or alone again. Now the truth is about life. There are many moments that we feel lost, we feel exasperated, we don't know which way to go, we feel frustrated, we feel maybe a little bit of anxiety or depression or anger even, and sometimes we even feel alone in that moment, that nobody else will experience what we're experiencing right now, what are we going to do, we're the only one in the world that has ever gone through something like this, and it's in moments like that you and I need a lifeline, we need hope, we need something that I'll call the next map, Directions where to go. And that's how we're going to wind up our series called The Next 100 today. We're going to look at the next map. Where is it that we are going? How are we going to start our next 100 from this mov- moment moving forward? If you've got a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to look at a snapshot in the life of Jesus. The last words that he uttered while on earth before ascending up into heaven, he gave them to family and friends, and he gave them to you and I today. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout all Judea, Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. A great powerful statement and moment. What was Jesus doing in that declaration? He was inviting and challenging his friends, his family, and his followers to be about something, the next map, what is to come. And those words are shared with us even today. So let's take a deeper look and examine exactly what is going on. At this moment in time, this occurred about 43 days after the death of Jesus Christ. 43 days earlier, he hung on a cross bearing the entire weight of the world so that you and myself and so many other people, every human being that has ever been in existence or will exist in the future has the opportunity to have restored relationship with the creator of all living things. That's what Jesus did 43 days earlier than this moment that we just read about. And as he's hanging on the cross, so many people were frustrated. They were nervous. They were afraid. They didn't know. They thought this could be the end of all things, but it happened to be just the beginning. Three days later, after that gruesome death, he rose back to life. He rose back to life, and he started to appear to different groups of people and individuals over the next 40 days. And this was the last appearance that he made prior, after, before going back to uh, uh, heaven and living. Living there, waiting for us to join him one day, and these words he gives to that group of people and to us. he talks about them being his witnesses. You know, what is a witness? Have you ever thought about that? We've heard songs. Hey, can I get a witness? We've heard of all those different things. But today, in our story, a witness means somebody who's able to corroborate what actually went on. Somebody who gives testimony to what a certain count of events or certain thing that happened, that that gives it credence and meaning and purpose and, and truthfulness. And what we get invited into in that story and in that moment is we get this opportunity to be witnesses right where we are. Even today, in our judicial system, witnesses are still used to corroborate testimony and story by both the defense side of a a trial and the attorney the prosecution side of the trial. Both of them use witnesses to try and, and come to the, the final conclusion of what life or that situation is all about. And today, we have the same opportunity to be witnesses for Jesus wherever he places us. Sometimes that's hard and difficult because we feel like we're alone in that moment. So before he even gets to that phrase of saying, you're going to be my witnesses, he gives a promise to the gathered group of people there today and to us, you and I right now here in real time. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. The presence of God that created everything that we know, everything that's been in existence, comes from God's presence. That's the kind of power we have access to. That's the kind of presence and person that we have access to that we can be connected with so that in the moments where we feel like we're alone and isolated and frustrated and angry and so much more, we can remember the truth that we are not alone in that moment. Jesus is present with us if we have a relationship with him. That's all the caveat is. If we've got a relationship with Jesus, we will never be alone again. He might not be there in physical form. And that's, that's what this first group of people found out. They had walked with Jesus in physical form. And now he was gone what does this mean? This, this Holy Spirit is going to come and be with them. The Holy Spirit is going to be an encourager, a guide, a nurturer, uh, an inspiration, a source of healing and hopefulness, a source of light in the midst of darkness, a source of certainty in the midst of chaos. All of these things are steeped in God's presence because the Holy Spirit is a part of God's presence is is his gift to us to make sure that we will never have to feel alone again even as witnesses we will never be alone and whatever capacity that means if we feel like we're having to stand trial and, and give testimony to that to god's goodness and grace and, and mercy and activity we won't be alone When we're facing a challenge of some kind, we won't be alone. When we're celebrating something, we won't be alone. Even if we can't gather people together with us right now, we're never alone. If we have a relationship with Jesus, we are connected with his presence through the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing opportunity that we have. And he asks his friends, this gathered group of people, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, In all of Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem was the physical city in which this conversation took place. So that kind of makes sense for this group of people. Yeah, okay, I can get it right where we live. You want us to speak about you. That's cool. Judea happened to be the the surrounding territory all around the city of Jerusalem particularly to the southern part of the city that was the the Judean region and and people were like okay I can get my mind around that that's cool I'm excited I can be your witness if you send me into those spaces or allow me or permit me to go into those environments I can be a witness there and then he talks about Samaria Samaria was a part of the nation of Israel, but it was the part where nobody really wanted to be associated with. It's where the marginalized people groups were there, people who were a part of the nation of of Israel but, but weren't really celebrated in some way, they were just kind of tolerated. And even in our society today, we've got spaces and environments and even municipalities that fit under that umbrella, that same sense of feeling like, okay, they're a part of us, but not really, like nobody really wants to go there, but, but if we have to, we will. And so it gets a little bit more challenging, but then at the end of the an invitation and challenge is this scintillating idea that even to the ends of the earth, We're invited to be witnesses. We're invited to be witnesses. Now, for some of these individuals that heard this for the first time, they would have never traveled far out of their region. So the idea that they would be a witness for Jesus, even to the ends of the earth, could have been really inspiring or really nerve-wracking, depending on their personality. But this is the, the last words that Jesus chooses to offer to people while he was still on earth. He wants us to be this, to grow into this, to live into this invitation and challenge that he invites us into. It's really, really encouraging, but yet somewhat nerve-wracking. So what does that mean for us as a church? We talked about this first group of people and what they might have been processing and what it looked like as they they took a look at those four realms, their Jerusalem, their Judea, their Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth, and what that might have meant for them in that moment. But what does it mean for you and I today, a couple thousand years later? Well, we're coming up on a year anniversary where my family and I moved to Brockville. We moved in, in June, as many of you know, and... As soon as we knew that we were going to be a part of your community, I just felt this sense of urgency to start to pray. I didn't know what I was going to do. I'd never led a church before. Like, what, what's, going to be, what's going to be happening? What, what is this going to all look like? I needed God to show up. I didn't want to feel alone in the moment, and so I started to pray, and I invited people around me to start praying with me. And soon enough, God reminded me of this verse that I shared with you earlier, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This idea that I'm never going to be alone. I'm going to have power when the Holy Spirit comes on me. I'm going to be a witness wherever God sends me. And I knew that was Brockville. And so for us, our Jerusalem is Brockville. That's the place that we've been planted right now. That's where our church facility is. That's where many of us live, not all of us, but many of us live in that region. That's our hub, so to speak. And similarly to the nation of Israel at the time where Jesus was talking to this group of people, the nation of Israel, Jerusalem was the heartbeat of that region. And for us, Brockville, whether we like it or not, is the heartbeat of this part of the region in eastern Ontario. People know it for tourist attractions, for a variety of different things. I happen to think they know it because there's some amazing people that live and work in Brockville and surrounding area. And so our Jerusalem is the place where we physically live, the place that we live. And so we get to be a witness right there. And then there's Judea and Samaria. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? It's the surrounding area. And as I began to pray a little bit more, I was like, God, what does that mean? And what does that look like for us as a church? And he started to map out boundaries for us as a praying community and it was really fun. So what I did is I went to Google Earth, and I, I sketched this image for you. And I've got it to show you uh, on screen so that you can see what we're talking about. He started to speak about our, our regional influence from Highway 15 on the east side of Kingston as our western boundary all along our southern coast to the city of Cornwall Cornwall on our eastern boundary The southern boundary is the easy one to measure. That's the St. Lawrence River. And then our northern boundary kind of being Perth and Maberly area. And if you kind of draw those points together, you're going to see that they're a little bit of a triangle. And so this kind of is representative of the geographical regional influence that, that God is asking us to be witnesses to. Similarly to this group of people that were invited to be witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the best of their ability. And then Jesus said, You know, there's this whole idea of the ends of the earth thing. And I want you to to speak about me to people everywhere to the best of your ability, even from the ends of the earth reality. And when I took a look at who we were as a church, I discovered man, we have a great involvement when it comes to international missions and support of missionaries. That was awesome. I took a deeper dive on all of this and I found out and discovered that we've got a great history and track record in so many ways. We've done such a good job at loving people in our region. I think of the the ice storm in the late 90s and the way that our church rallied around people in need in that moment, it was awesome. We were witnesses for the kingdom in that season and in that moment. And then I think of what we continue to do internationally, whether it's drumming up new ways to support what God is doing around the world, or praying for and encouraging people that are sent globally by God to to claim his ministry and mission in the world, to be a witness for him wherever he places them, and I just get excited. And then when I think about Judea and Samaria, if, if there's any place that we can grow stronger as a church... It's just there. In that physical boundary space that I talked about a few moments ago, it's a large, massive region. Approximately 167,000 Ontarians live in that space. How do you love that massive a group of people? Well, you need a first domino, what I like to call a first domino. That moment, that place, that next space that can start a catalytic event. As a young kid, I enjoyed playing with dominoes, not just lining them up, but putting them on edge and standing them up and creating an elaborate shape. It took a long time to set it all up for a few moments of exhilaration when you knock that first domino down and then all of the rest follow along and get knocked down. In fact, if you're bored and you wanna search up YouTube stuff right now, go right now and just be like Domino Challenge and see what comes up. It's amazing. The elaborate creative part of humanity when it comes to dominoes and their desire to create something memorable in that moment. But for us, we need that first domino. And I'm happy to say that we've got that in mind and God has led us to that first domino and what it looks like for us as a church. Check out this video to hear a little bit more. Hey everyone, Jason here. I'm with my friend Johanna. We're here in Prescott and we're going to talk to you a little bit about what we believe this region represents in terms of our Judea and Samaria as a church community diving into this next season of life and ministry for this space. So Johanna, what's your favorite thing about this town of Prescott?
1: I love the people of Prescott. We, when we moved here six years ago, seven years ago, I used to take the girls in the back stroller behind my bike and we would go grocery shopping and then we would come all the way back. And so it's small enough to be able to make lots of walks and do lots of fun things, but it's big enough that uh, you could still get all your amenities and all the things that you need here. So, And the people would wave like, and be so friendly to us when we were driving by and stuff. It was amazing.
0: That's so awesome. One of the things that I love and we've joined as a family in this space is just their riverfront access, their walkway beautiful space, beautiful people, as Johanna said, but there's also a great opportunity just to spread hope and light and love in this environment. And what we think this space needs and what we believe God is leading us towards is to create space where people can feel known, loved and connected over a great cup of coffee and a great conversation. And so we're excited to talk to you about what we're launching that's brand new. Hey, Johanna, do you want to give us a little bit more info on what that is?
1: So we've been looking at launching a coffee house where people can come in, we can do job prep programming for youth, we can invite people in and um, they can just be part of the community. We can do like cool like nonchalant welcoming people in and having fun. We're just looking for people a place to where people just can come in and they know, we know who they are, they know who we are. And um, if people need a warm meal, we can provide a warm meal to them, right? If people need just somebody to listen, we'll have volunteers there. That'll literally all their job will be is just to listen to people as they come in and as they need community and friends. So it's just creating warmth and connectedness is what we're looking at.
0: Absolutely, Warmth and connection with a community that's desperately in need of that and has a lot to show us and teach us about what it means to be friendly and hope-filled and full of life as well. That's what we're gearing up for. You get to be a part of that as an extended family that we call Centennial Road Church as we dive into the formation of the Outpost Cafe. Stay tuned for more because here we go, friends. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is. The Outpost Cafe, can you believe it? It is such a cool opportunity to go into an environment and a space, this this town that's just 15 minutes or so, depending on how fast you drive, east of us as, as a city where we have the opportunity to love people right where they are at. This desire comes from a hopefulness of creating warmth and connection with the people of Prescott and the surrounding community. And maybe you're thinking like, why coffee? Why now? Why in this COVID season? And I just got to tell you, it's because God is leading us in that direction. We've had many people praying for many different months about what this could tangibly look like for us as a community, our first domino. And I'm so excited to share with you that this is the formation of what it's going to be this missional outpost, knowing that this is just one of many that we're going to have the opportunity to participate in in this region. See, over the next 10 years, we believe we're going to have a strategic opportunity every 12 or 18 months to multiply the ministry efforts of what we're a part of right now so that we can intentionally love the people in our region, our Judea, our Samaria, with really intentional radical hospitality and reckless abandon. It's going to be an awesome time. It might not always look the same depending on which environment we're drawn to and where God leads us. Maybe it's not a cafe the next time. Maybe it's a garage where we can do vehicle maintenance. Maybe it's going to be a network partnership with a pre-existing church that loves Jesus and they need an infusion of some resources or some hope or some excitement around them. Maybe it's going to be a church plant, maybe another campus. I don't know, but God does. I'm telling you, this first domino will allow us to continue to partner with what God wants to do in our region through us as we are witnesses for him. So what does that mean for you and for me as individuals? Well, I'm going to ask three things of us. I'm going to ask that we continue to pray. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard from many of you, as you've shared openly and honestly with me, from the moment that you found out that my family and I were going to be a part of your community here at Brockville, that you started to pray for us. I am so grateful for that. We need those prayers. We are sustained and fueled by God's presence. And the more that you pray, the more we have a willingness to be a part of what God wants to do. So thank you for your prayers. Please don't stop praying. But I want to invite you to continue to pray for the area of Prescott as well. That town, this ministry initiative that we're calling the Outpost Cafe. Pray that it would be a beacon of hope and light right in the community. A space where people feel loved and accepted and connected. And a place where they can discover a little bit more about who this God we serve is all about. I'm gonna ask you to pray. Pray like you've never prayed before. Pray often, pray frequently. Pray big prayers, pray, pray little prayers. Don't stop praying. I'm also going to ask you to consider how can you give. See, for some of you, I know that God has given you the resources to invest financially in this season in a very unique way. And maybe it's because your travel budget has been affected by COVID. You haven't been able to go on any vacations, and so it's just sitting there, and you've done all the renovations in your house that you want to do, and you've got nothing else that you can think of. You've got maybe this disposable income of some kind. This is a great opportunity for you to invest in. What's awesome about a missional outpost like this is it gives us an environment and a space from which to love and launch people into hope and into mission. And the more that you invest and the more that you serve and the more that you give, we are able to continue to allow it to be a beacon of hope and light where it needs to be. I happen to believe that if everybody in this region, if everybody in the world would truly encounter unconditional love of some kind through people or through extraordinary circumstances or miraculous circumstances. They won't help but be able to know that there's a God that loves them. And that's our mission, to love and live like Jesus. And this is one of the ways that we can do that. So maybe, maybe God's going to ask you to start giving and supporting in addition to what you already do uh, and investing in this cafe in a financial capacity. We'd be happy for you to do that. In fact, if you want to participate in some way, what you're doing right now through regular giving, you can start adding a little bit more and and marking that that goes to the cafe. I know my family and I, my wife and I, feel compelled to be doing this. And so we've started to do that as a family, set aside a little bit more so that we can invest in this ministry initiative. The other thing that we can do is we can serve we have a hope and a dream that this will be a sustainable micro social enterprise over time. We know that we're not going to get there day one. And so what we need is we need a volunteer workforce. And what's really amazing about that is God has brought us a volunteer manager, somebody who's going to oversee all of this right now. Her name is Carrie Hordick. She's awesome. She's going to be like a missionary on steroids in our space and in our region. She has been prepared for this moment. She's got a degree in business business and a degree in theology, and she just wants to love people through great coffee and a warm, welcoming environment. Talk about a match made in heaven from God's perspective. We are so grateful for her arrival in the space, but she's only one person, We're gonna need a whole lot more people coming around her, people who are willing to listen to stories, people who are willing to learn how to make great coffee, people who are willing to clean, people who are willing to serve, all these different things. And maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you've got an abundance of time right now. You're going like, Jason, I'm sitting on my hands. I don't know what to do. What could I be a part of? Maybe this is your answer to prayer. I don't know, but Jesus does, and maybe he's prompting you in that way. All I'm going to say is that if you have a curiosity about what this could look like, send me an email. I'm going to get you in contact with Carrie and Johanna and so many others that are already carrying the lion's share of this ministry initiative and help you find success and meaning as you serve God's kingdom in this way. I believe if you and I were participating in those three things, this first domino will be an epic success. It'll be exactly what God needs it to be and it will allow us, it'll be the gateway to our Judea and Samaria as we intentionally love and serve people along the way. How awesome is that? That 1,000, 2,000 years ago when, when Jesus talked about this mission and this moment in time with this cluster of people that heard it in real time, he also meant you and he also meant me. We get the, the responsibility and the opportunity to love and live like him wherever he's placed us in our Jerusalem in our Judea, our Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And just because we're gonna focus on Judea and Samaria intentionally over the next 10 years does not mean that we're gonna neglect our Jerusalem or our ends of the earth. We believe it's gonna bring into alignment all of that so that we'll have this amazing experience where all of us are mo- moving in the same direction, pulling on the same rope at the same time, and God can do whatever he wants to do in any one of those realms and spaces for the sake of his kingdom, not our own. I'm so excited. I hope you're excited. If you've got questions, you want to interact more, please feel free to contact me, reach out to me, and let's get going because this first domino is going to be awesome. We're hoping and praying that we can launch this thing in July, and I just want you to also be aware of our commercial space owners, Pierre and Sarah, two people that I absolutely adore, and I want you to continue to pray with me for because I believe God is doing something amazing in them as well and I can't wait to see what what this is going to do to unlock that over time why don't we go to a time of prayer and again I want to thank you for tuning in or being a part of what this next 100 is going to look like let's pray Father, we're so grateful we have the chance to be witnesses wherever you place us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us that we are filled with the spirit of power, not one that is timid, not one that is fearful. And whatever challenges come our way, we have, the, we have at our fingertips access to an infinite resource, one that has all the wisdom, all the knowledge that we will ever need, all the resources that we will ever need to find success today and tomorrow. God, I pray that we would be a, men and, a group of men and women that are steeped in your presence so that so many other people can fall in love with you along the way. I pray that you would infuse us with hope and passion and delight so that we can uh, appropriately reflect who you are to the world around us. God, would you continue to grant us favor as we lead forward? And in Jesus' name, would your name be the most famous in our region, in our city, and around the world. Father, would you bless us and protect us? Would you be gracious to us and smile upon us? Would you give us your favor and your peace in all things and in all ways? We pray this in your name. Amen.